Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There was a poll done a couple of years ago that surveyed 20,000 people and asked them, if you had to lose one of your five senses, which would you least most want to lose? And 70% of those 20,000, 70, 70% said that about all all of their senses, they would not want to lose their sight. And maybe you'd agree, because imagine life without being able to see. How difficult that would be, right? To not any longer be able to see your loved one's faces, to not be able to see expressions on people's faces, to not see nature, to not see the beautiful world around you. Maybe you'd be with that 70% of those 20,000 who would not want to lose their sight more than any of their other senses. There are 39 million people who are legally blind in our world. 39 million legally blind. And it's a disability. There are many things that they cannot do because of that disability. And sure, there are now social services and there are many technology advancements that can help with those who are visually impaired. At my former congregation, uh, we had a a regular guest who would contact me before they were gonna come and visit and ask me for an electronic copy of the service folder because his wife was visually impaired and he had a machine that he could put that service folder through and it turned it into braille. And that's incredible, right? So she could follow along with the service as we were going through. What a wonderful blessing of God. But that doesn't make life easy for people who are visually impaired, does it? It's still difficult, but yet, certainly better than it used to be. Certainly better than the man in our gospel lesson had it. Because in Jesus' time, about 2,000 years ago, the blind didn't have braille, and they didn't have any social services, they didn't have the crosswalks that beep so you know how to get across the busy street safely. Instead, all you hoped was that you had some family members or friends who would take you and plonk you down on a corner, where, a busy street corner where you could beg and try to get a little bit of money for some food. And even worse than that is that in Jesus' time, the prevailing thought was that if you were, had a disability like this, it's because you did something to deserve it. That some sin in your past Or if you were born that way, some sin of your parents caused this. And so those with disabilities like blindness were looked down upon in society, and not many people were willing to help. Instead, they scoffed at them, turned away from them, blamed them for their disability. And that's what's going on in our gospel lesson. This man is being ignored by everybody around him except for one. All these people in the world in Jesus' time who said that man deserves what he got. He's done something for that to come into his life. Just ignored him completely. Thankfully, that's not the way our world is today, right? That we think that bad things happen to us because of something we've done, right? right? That that's not the prevailing thought, that if something happens in our life that God is punishing us for something, Oh, no. (laughs) That that thought is alive and well in our world today, isn't it? And even though we ought to know better as Christians, doesn't it 
seep into our consciousness once, a, once in a while, too. Right? It's not very likely that when things are going well, you ask questions like, why did I get this promotion? Or why am I so blessed to have so much when other people have so little? Why am I blessed with such good health, right? We don't ask the questions when things are going well in our life. When do we ask the questions? When things are not going so well. God, why do I have all these financial struggles? Why do I have to work so hard to put food on my table when everybody else seems to be just fine and have more than an abundance? Why did I lose my job, God? Why not, why not the guy in the cubicle next to me? Why didn't he lose his job? Why, God, is my loved one suffer with so many health problems? Right? And we begin to easily think that God has got it out for us. That maybe there's something we've done that he's punishing us for. Right? Christians are not immune to this type of thinking. And that's why Jesus addresses this in our gospel lesson this morning, because he knows. He knows the way that our sinful minds think, that it will take these things and turn them on God or turn them and say, hey, see, you're, you're, you're being punished for this or that. And so Jesus addresses this very issue because he wants us to see life and the struggles and troubles and difficulties in our life in a new way. The heading in our NIV Bibles on, in this section from John chapter 9, our gospel lesson that we read earlier, is a Jesus heals a man born blind. In fact, he's going to do that. We're going to read about that. But in fact, there's a lot of blind people in this lesson. And the first blind people we come across are the disciples. And they, like us, have these questions once in a while. Like, why is this man blind? What did he do? What did his parents do for him to deserve this? And so he addresses that right at the beginning, starting at verse 1 of chapter 9. It says, They were going along, and there was a, mi a man there blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. You know what Jesus is saying here? He is saying that bad stuff happens in our life. And we suffer. And we go through difficulties so that the work of God might be done. He's saying it's, it, th this man's blindness is not because of something he has done. This isn't because his parents sinned. Now he's punishing this child, this man, because of the sins of his parents. It's so that the work of God might be displayed in him. And friends, it's the same today. In every struggle, in every difficulty, in every suffering in this life, God's plan is that his work might be done through it. We don't know why certain things happen. We don't know why people get sick when they do, or die when they do, or struggle with finances when they do. But... But God's plan behind all of it is to let his glory and his goodness shine through it. Through you. So that others, when you go through suffering, when you go through difficulty, might see the grace and the goodness and the power of your God. That that might be revealed to the world. 
See life in a new way. See the struggles you go through. See the troubles. See the, see the difficulties in a new way that it's not something you have done in the past that God is punishing you for. See it not that you have it worse than everybody else and woe is me, but instead that God wants his goodness and his power and his glory and his grace to shine through you as you suffer to those who suffer, to give them hope, to give them peace, to lead them to the God who can do all things. Friends, see the difficulties and the struggles in your life in a new way through Jesus. Jesus here opens up our eyes to see what struggles in this life are all about. Letting that grace and power and glory of God shine to the world around us through them. There's another set of blind eyes that he opens. He comes, he's standing there by the man, and he says this, and Jesus spits on the ground. He makes some mud with his saliva, puts it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. And so the man, man went and washed and came home seeing. So here is the actual opening up of some physical eyes. Right? And it's an interesting way that Jesus does it, isn't it? He makes a mud pie, maybe like you did when you were a little kid. Except he uses his saliva and he puts it on his eyes. He tells them to go wash in a pool. And immediately he can see. Just think about this miracle. Think about how amazing this is. This man was, was blind from birth. He had never seen a thing in his life. Imagine that, what, what that, that was like for him as he washed that mud off of his eyes and probably squinted a little bit, right? cleared his eyes a little bit, and all of a sudden he saw everything for the first time. Have you ever seen those videos that have been going around about they have these uh, glasses now for colorblind people that they can put on and see color? Have you seen those videos before? Go look them up. They're amazing because uh, they, they choke me up every time because you, you, these people put on these glasses and they really don't know what's going to be happening and they put them on and the first thing they, they usually do is whip them off because they're just freaked out by what they're seeing. Right? They can see color for the first time. Right? And they're just overjoyed that they can see color. Just think about this man and the joy that he must have had, that his family had, that he couldn't see a thing and now he can see everything clearly. He can finally not just hear the trees in the wind, but he can see it. He doesn't just hear the birds chirping, he sees them. He doesn't just hear his parents and his friends talking, he gets to see them with his own eyes. This is just an incredible miracle. This changes this man's life. But Jesus isn't done with this man yet. Because while his life has been changed, his eternity hasn't been changed yet. Though his physical eyes have been opened, his spiritual eyes are not yet opened. And so Jesus performs this great miracle for this man, but there's an even greater miracle yet to come for him. But first, before he gets to that... Right, this man goes to his home, he goes back to his town, to his neighborhood where his parents are, and, and the neighbors begin to ask, what's going on? This is the guy we know who was born blind from birth, and here he is being able to see, and, and they don't know what to make of it, and so they take him to the religious leaders, they take him to the Pharisees, and this is what it says. They brought the man to the Pharisees, who had been, that man who had been blind. Now the day in which Jesus had made the mud op and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. 
But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. Friends, here we come across the third set of blind people. <laughs> we come across the Pharisees. These religious leaders of whom Jesus wanted to open up their spiritual eyes. right? He preached law and gospel to them too, but they continued to reject. They thought their eyes were already opened. They thought that they had everything they needed. But instead, what they were doing was rejecting that light of the world. They were rejecting that Messiah that those Old Testament scriptures that they held on to had been prophesying for thousands of years. They rejected the Savior. They rejected their Savior. And here they sit in their spiritual blindness. Friends, there are many who are spiritually blind today, too, aren't there? Before I mention that number of 39 million legally blind people in our world today, how about this for a number? 5.4 billion. There are 5.4 billion people on this planet today who are spiritually blind who do not know the light of the world, Jesus Christ. 5.4 billion who do not have the hope and the joy and the peace of the forgiveness of Jesus, who do not know what he has done for them, or they've rejected that truth, like these Pharisees. That is a lot of people walking around on this planet spiritually blind. Bring it a little closer to home. Right here in Gilbert, uh, one report that I've seen is that two-thirds of Gilbert, which is about 165,000 people, right here in our, in our town, have no faith at all or believe in some sort of false religion. 165,000 people in our own town. That's a lot of spiritually blind people walking around in Gilbert. And I know that there is at least a few of them that you come into contact with. Maybe people who sit right next to you at work or the neighbor right next door to you or across the street or maybe someone right in your own house. People who are spiritually blind, who don't know the blessings of God or those who have rejected them, who don't believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior, that Jesus came for them too that Jesus desires that they know him too. To know what you know. We have opportunities here. We have Holy Week coming up, right? And we are doing a big push that we want you to share the message of the light of the world, uh, to share the message of Jesus Christ, the Savior for all, right? And, and, and you know what we're going to be doing. We're going to be encouraging you to, to invite someone to, to, to learn about Jesus, their Savior, to, to join you here. Right? We're sending out 10,000 postcards. We're hanging up door hanger invitations uh, in our neighborhood, doing all sorts of things to reach the spiritually blind so that they can know these blessings that we have. But before we do any of that, first, before any of that, it's really important for us to see them as Jesus sees them. And really as Jesus sees us by nature. Before I can convince you to go and to invite someone to come and hear about their Savior, before I can get you to come here and hang a few door hanger invitations for us, look at the world through the eyes of Jesus. 
Look at what he sees. Look at what he saw in you before he called you from spiritual blindness to spiritual sight. This is what he does for this man here. He hears that they had uh, thrown the man out, and so he comes to the man and he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. It wasn't enough for Jesus just to open up this man's physical eyes. That wasn't the great miracle of the day. It would be that he would come back to this man and seek him out, find him, so that he could open up his spiritual eyes, so that he could come to know the Son of Man, the Son of God, his Savior, his Rescuer, and to lead him to believe in him and to know all the blessings to open up his sight so that he could have that forgiveness and that peace and that joy and that salvation that this Jesus brought into this dark, unbelieving, blind world. And friends, it's the same thing he has done for us. A couple of years ago, there was a 12-year-old boy named Sanford Harling from Norristown, Pennsylvania, who's lived in a duplex and it was on fire. And he got out safely. But when he got out, he heard his father, who was disabled, still inside. He's on the second floor. And he was calling out. He could see him up in the window. And he knew that his father was not going to be able to get out alone because he was disabled. And without hesitation, Sanford rushed back into the house. And he went up up to the second story. And with the help of people down below, he was able to get his father lowered down out of that second story window and off to safety. But Sanford didn't make it out. That 12-year-old boy lost his life, saving his father. Friends, think about what Jesus did for you. He saw a whole world of people in danger of eternal fire. And he did not hesitate to rush in, to take on flesh, to come and to live in this world of sorrow and suffering and difficulty and sadness, and to take all of it on himself, and to lay down his life so that you might be set free, so that you can be given the promise of life. Friends, that's what our God has done for you through Jesus Christ. He has sent a Savior to rescue you from the fires of hell, the punishment of your sin. He has done all this for you, not because of you, but because only because of his grace and his mercy. And he's even given you the gift of faith to believe it. Whenever that was for you in your life, it was, if it was at a font, when you were just days or weeks old, and that water was splashed on your forehead, and those words in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that you were baptized, your spiritual eyes were opened. And you were given that gift of faith to know Jesus and all that he has done for you. Or if it was when you were older and you heard that message of of forgiveness through the gospel for the first time, your spiritual eyes were opened to that you could say, yes, I believe in Jesus as my Savior. Through that gift of faith, your eyes of faith were taken from blindness to sight. 
so that you might see your Savior. So that every day, as you sin, as you struggle in this life, as you go through sickness and sadness and trouble, he can point you and your eyes back to the cross and to see every sin forgiven. That he can point you to an empty tomb and say, look, look and live. Friends, see life in a new way. See life as God has intended it for you through Jesus Christ, your Savior. See the life that God wants 5.4 billion people to know like you do, or the 165,000 people in Gilbert, or the people in your life who are still walking around in spiritual blindness. That new way of life that you are blessed to know. That new life that is filled with peace and with joy that knows that no matter what happens in this life, no matter what struggles, no matter what viruses, no matter what is happening in our world, you are okay with God. You are loved by God. You are forgiven. You are his own child. See life in a new way. As you know that you are called to a new purpose in life. That life is not about living for myself. It's not living in the spiritual blindness of just looking out for me and not only worrying about me, but that you've been given a new purpose in your life. To love. To love your spouse. To love your kids. To love your neighbor. To love the stranger. To love those who are sick, who are in prison, who are in trouble who the rest of society ignores, right? We get to go and love as God has first loved us. This is the life we have, this new way as God has opened to us all of the blessings we have in Christ to know that we are freed to think about others first. Friends, see life in a new way because you have a life of hope, a life that knows that this is not it that you have an eternal life that's waiting for you. That along with Job, a man who knew suffering, a man who thought more than once, what did I do to deserve all these bad things happening in my life? But still proclaimed, I know that my Redeemer lives. And that in the end, I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Friends, you one day... We'll get to see him with your own eyes. Yes, your spiritual eyes see him now through faith, but one day your physical eyes will get to see your Savior Jesus too. That you will get to be face to face with your Savior forever. Friends, that's the hope you have right now in this life, that that eternal life waits for you. And when you've been there 10,000 years, oh, it's only begun. <laughs> but to know that lasts forever by God's grace. Friends, see your life in a new way. See all these blessings that are yours through Christ, right? In Christ and through Christ and with Christ, all these blessings are yours. Christ, who is your life, you get to look at your life differently today and tomorrow and every day, no matter what your life holds, and know that it's yours forever. Through Jesus Christ, your Savior. Amen.